is Market Open Podcast, bringing you engaging conversations and insights from leading ASX-listed companies. We welcome our host, Stuart Walters, for another episode, where he'll talk to the individuals behind Australia's top companies of tomorrow. Joining me today is Nathan Horitz, part of the corporate sales team at Spark Plus. Spark Plus is an Asia-Pacific corporate advisory specialist and helps listed companies with corporate advisory, capital raisings, and M&A solutions. Nathan lived every young cricketer's dream when growing up by representing Australia across all formats of the game. Now as a member of Corporate Advisory Specialist Spark Plus, he is on the international challenge of taking companies on tour to represent themselves and secure much needed capital from constrained financial markets. Nathan, thanks for joining me today on Market Open Podcast. For uh, having me on, I've been an avid listener for a little while now, so I'm uh, very privileged to uh, actually be in this spot this time. Growing up, all I ever wanted to do was play Test Cricket for Australia. Dean Jones was my hero. Every single bit of cricket gear I owned was Kookaburra, just like him. I remember mum trying to buy me some white shorts to play in because it was hot over here in Perth, but there's no way I would have ever have been seen wearing shorts on a cricket field because Dean Jones would never wear shorts. You actually lived that dream firsthand. What was it like playing cricket for Australia across all three formats? I was the same as you growing up as a kid. I was a David Boone fan. Uh, you know, he's a bat top order. I used to have all grey nick gear. Did uh, the same thing. And look, for me, look, I worked very hard as a young kid and as a young adult getting into it and sort of sometimes needed a bit of luck, you know, fall your way. And I was lucky enough to get a debut quite early and then, uh, you know, been able to play a little bit more as my career progressed. Look, you sort of, when you first happened, you realise the enormity of it. And then when, when you're in it and playing the game, you, you do sometimes forget to take a bit of stock and see where you are. And, um, you know, look, I was sort of at the beginning of social media and you, know, you always look at different things and, and see what's going on. But looking back now and having time to reflect on my career, it's, it's something that I'm incredibly proud about. Uh, I would have loved to have played a lot more. I was, you know, probably the most thing that I've enjoyed the most is the ability for my parents to watch me play the game and how much effort and dedication they put into to everything for me. So that, uh, that was something that was very surreal. As a young kid, was it just cricket, 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 and that's all you ever wanted to do? I grew up, I would have played cricket 24 hours a day. I trained every morning, every afternoon, titty balls, reading books. Uh, I was reading biographies on cricket. I was just nonstop cricket all the time. And uh, look, I was probably a little bit annoying as a kid, to be fair. Always wanting to play cricket in the backyard, which is why now I've got nephews to repay the favour. And I'm, I'm nonstop doing those things these days. But it was just something that was ingrained. And when I got a taste of, you know, probably representing Queensland as a young kid, you know, we do when we're probably 12 and 14, it just cemented what I wanted to do. Uh, and watching Australia play on TV, you know, watching the the old ball, you know, chasing down 210 was almost impossible back in the day. It's just such a great thing and a great memory for myself sitting out with my parents at the dinner table watching the game. Spending the time you did in the Australian dressing room, what was it like rubbing shoulders with that group? And did you have any mentors along the way that helped with your journey? Uh, when I played my first test, um, Glenn McGrath gave me my baggy green and I probably spent a little bit of time with McGrath, Gillespie, uh, Matty Hayden and Justin Langer took me under their wing a little bit you know, in the first series I was away. Um, but probably throughout when I played for Australia, probably Mike Hussey was probably the guy that you know, I hung out with the most and helped me probably stay as present as you could when you're playing the game. You know, he was always just next ball, you know, whatever was happening in the game. He batted you know, six, I batted eight or nine. So a lot of times we were you know, batting the last 10 to 
five to ten overs in the game or you know trying to put a partnership together in test cricket and he was always just you know keeping me relatively calm and and in the place and oh, look I'm not going to lie when you're sitting in the Lord's dressing room and you're having a beer next to Ricky Ponting or you know Gilly walks in or someone like that it's uh it's incredible you know those guys are my heroes and still are you know when you see them today and you know to chat and you know still text and, and speak to them but yeah it's, a, it's an incredible feeling and it, it ended too soon. You know, I wanted to keep playing. I had a few sort of mental things going on and my body was sort of giving way very early. But I, I really enjoyed it and, and really grateful for the experience that I received. I get goosebumps listening to these stories and feel like a, a little kid at Christmas uh, when it comes to someone living out their own dream. You've now joined Spark Plus, which is a great move by Omar to have you join his team. How have you found that transition? And do you think your sporting background has helped this next phase? The, the transition, because I was still coaching, you know, up until probably 12 months ago now, I think, you know, maybe a little bit less, eight months ago, uh, I had to come home for some personal reasons, family reasons, and uh, Omar and I had kept in touch, but best part of four years, uh, always talking cricket and shares and stock market, and I always reached out to him and said, look, if something pops up, let me know, because I'm, I'm really keen to transition away from cricket. Uh, and that wasn't to say that I didn't like cricket, it was just that I wanted to find a different identity. You know, I'd, I'd sort of got to the stage where when getting interviewed about cricket, I'm not relevant anymore, if that makes sense, and I don't follow the game close enough. So when this opportunity came up, uh, it's definitely been a little bit challenging at the start. Um, you know, the boys are based in Singapore, and and I'm here in Harvey Bay with family, you know, helping out family with a few things. Um, you know, so that's been a kind of a little bit of a challenge at the start. We've been able to overcome that. I, I think probably the biggest thing about being an athlete is that you can sometimes try to get uh, I guess that perfectionism and and that's it, it never really happens even even as an athlete but you're always striving to be better you know the next ball or whatever you're doing so for me you know try to be as well prepared as I can like if I'm calling people going to the road shows being involved in a raise or anything trying to make sure that I'm well across everything because it's a little bit different in this game when you make a mistake with regards to a placement or a raise it's a financial mistake which then could lead into an ASX and something, you know, like it's, it's quite a big deal. Whereas in cricket, you're going to get another opportunity next ball. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing. I, you know, I've got to learn. I've, I've had to learn to be better prepared in this game than probably what it was for sport. It takes a lot of drive, dedication and sacrifice to be a professional athlete. Those skills often translate into the business world. Do you think this is a reason why professional athletes are sought after post-playing careers? When you're growing up as a young athlete or as an athlete, you know, you're training six to ten hours a day pretty much trying to, to get better you know then the next day you're doing the same thing you're trying to make sure that when you are on in competition that the the movements become natural it's it's just a matter of just trying to survive those nervous moments and look it's no different with work it's no different with this stuff it's it's just a matter of you know, you're dealing with people that are you know fiends you know ceos mds all of these type of people but at the end of the day you know they're just human just like the rest of us and they're willing to to talk but at the same time you know, being an ex-cricketer or ex-athlete doesn't mean too much if I don't know anything about our company or their company or what they're doing or what's coming up or, you know, the gold price or the copper price. If I'm just sort of sitting there thinking that I'm going to be able to skip through everything, it just doesn't work. And that's probably where I got found out the first little bit. Um, you know, just reaching out, saying who I was. People were like, yeah, cool. I have about 3,000 people like you saying the same thing to me each day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, had to refine that a little bit, you know, moving forward. You've been involved in a few placements over the past month. What are you seeing in the financial markets right now? 
Look, I'd probably say from our perspective, probably a tiny little bit more confidence in, in the market and, you know, the, whether the storm is, is slowly starting to pass. Um, you know, we've, we've been quite successful in our placements. Probably the one thing that I have to understand is after a placement is, you know, like the, the market can take a little bit to turn around and that's where that athlete mentality comes in. It's, you know, when you do a placement or something, it's, it's not supposed to happen like this in my eyes. It's supposed to be like the money goes in and the market goes up. You know, that's how I've sort of lived and, um, you know, so that's something that I have noticed. Um, you know, one thing with regard to the placements is the relationships that you build and you know, the people that are on board and you're trying to actually build something for a company that's not just now. It's, you know, it's a, something that they've had a lot of years of blood, sweat and tears over. You know, so if you can take that on board and do your best for them, you know, most companies will understand that you're trying to do your best as well. Spark Plus run events in Singapore and Australia. What are the differences between the two and are there any plans to run more here in Australia? I guess for me, the, the big thing is that being in Australia now myself, uh, having that sporting background, the opportunity to do some more sporting events here. Uh, we hosted a corporate box just recently at the, at the Gabbo with just 24 people from Brisbane, um, mixture of investors, brokers, uh, companies, um, some high net worth people, uh, and just been able to meet and say hello. And I'm hoping to do more cricket stuff. Obviously, it's it's a bit of my wheelhouse. Obviously, you know, and and being going to those events, it's a nice way to, to meet. Um, I'm hoping that we can do more events, but we've only got a couple of people on the ground here in Australia now, so that makes it challenging. In Singapore, it's it's a, a quite a big event. You know, being involved in the F1, it's a, it's a three day event. It's a, a six to twelve month planning part of it, and what you are trying to do is give the companies the best opportunity they can to meet some people that are going to help out. You know, over the next. Well, 18 months, whatever it needs to be. You know, like the, the companies that are investing to be part of that F1 event is, is significant. So you want to make sure that when they walk away from that event, they can dot every guy across every T and, and know that they're willing to come back the next year. How important are these events for companies? And have you been given some good feedback? Very good feedback. The, the, the main thing I think with regard to those events is just the, the network and the relationships that you can begin to build. It's very challenging that I've learned very, as I, I've only been in this industry now about seven or eight months, learned it's very challenging just to do a raise or a placement without nobody ever knowing anything about the industry or the business that you're in. And you know, the ability for to communicate and get across the line exactly what the company's trying to do and, and sort of have a, you know, put a face to the name going over, going over to Singapore, traveling around Australia, whatever it needs to be, so that when we went and did a non-deal roadshow recently in Melbourne, one of the boys said, that, you know, like see the whites of their eyes, you know, when they're looking to try to do and get a feel for the company. And I, and I think that's really important. And if they can get on board with that and trust, you know, that they're trying to do their best, then you now look, it's, that's the most that you can do. There's a lot of chatter at the moment about mergers and acquisitions. What are you hearing on that front? be long if i said i'll be hearing much you know look my my role is you know in in the sales space and i'm talking to a lot of people um our our industry obviously there is a lot of stuff and you can see a lot happening at the moment um especially in that lithium space you know there's a lot of stuff we've got a company up there in the lake johnston precinct and the, and the talk about you know the, the companies all there what they've got potential for something to happen there is quite huge but at the end of the day you know like there's a bit of hearsay um but these things just pop out of nowhere uh, and it's a, it's a huge acquisition from some of the other stuff that we've seen already. Look, at, I, I think it's just going to be how the market plays out for probably six to 12 months. But given that 2023 was so challenging, you probably expect to see a little bit more. Are you sensing a turn? You mentioned 23 as being a challenging year. What are your focuses for next year and can you see a shift in the market? Yes, 
you know, I've been in, haven't been in the industry long, but it's definitely going to be different than next year. I've already been around people that getting out a placement or a raise at the start of the year was probably a lot more challenging than what it has been at this time of the year. You know, and, and they've all said that they're starting to feel a little bit more optimistic. You know, they don't feel that the market can go any lower in the small cap space than what it is at the moment. And the, and the ability for them to be able to, to get on the ground and the, the potential of these M&As as well is, is something that is in the back of their minds. You know, and it's been very challenging because when they have good announcements or bad announcements, the market almost reacts the same way. And this, that's probably the thing they have found the most challenging. And with interest rates coming back down, you know, potentially over the next six to 12 months, you know, money flowing through, you'd have to think that things will have to start to turn. Did you ever see yourself coming into a role like this post your sporting career? And you look back and think, wow, I've actually just landed on my feet. Yeah, I wanted to. When I was playing cricket, when I was growing up, I wanted to run my own hedge funds, uh, you know, be part of a fund that, you know, whether it invests in shares or invests in property, you know, just I always liked the idea of being an, an asset manager as such. And I didn't really know how to get involved in it. I sort of stayed in cricket in bits and pieces, a little bit of property. Uh, and just, you know, look, I've been very lucky to fall into this role now. And, you know, Spark is expanding next year. Um, you know, more people coming on the ground and my role will, will change from being just being in sales and probably more on the corporate side. But I've actually really enjoyed it. It's been quite challenging at the start, as I said, you know, getting used to the terms, getting used to the grades, used to the people. You know, it's not every day that they want to hear you from me, so I've got to understand they're going to be quite frustrated speaking to me at times. But I've, I've enjoyed it and look, I'm hoping that it, you know, it just continues to go the way it is and you build those relationships and you meet some really influential people in their space. And that's probably the thing that I really enjoyed the most. Strategically, Omar's made a great decision by bringing you into his team at Spark Plus. We wish you all the best for 2024 and hope to have you on again soon. Nathan, thanks for joining me today on Market Open Podcast. Mate, have a great Christmas. That concludes another episode of Market Open Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, LinkedIn, Twitter, rss.com and marketopen.com.au. Until next time, happy investing. The content of this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not personal financial product advice. It does not address the circumstances of any individual or entity. You should not construe any of this information or other part of this material as legal tax, investment, financial or other professional advice. Market Open and its employees are not financial advisors. You should consider seeking independent, legal, financial taxation or other advice to check how any information relates to your unique circumstances. Nothing contained in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by Market Open or any third party to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments in this or any jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful under the security laws of such jurisdiction.